Did you think about the words, words of that song? I didn't know Kyle was going to lead that one. It fits very well. What we're going to study today. Man, those are powerful words. I was singing them. Uh, of course, I knew what I was going to talk about. So, do we, I mean, we really believe what we just sang? I will go with you all the way. I will, I will go with you. I'll go with you through the judgment. I'll go with you. Um, man, the call of Jesus is, a, is an all-encompassing one. And it's so easy for you and me to forget that. Talking to a Sunday morning crowd, I'm glad all of you are here. I want to challenge us today as a church. If you're visiting with us, I want to challenge you too. I think we need to understand what Christianity is. If we're going to be Christians, we need to understand what that means, you know. That's pretty important. And as we've talked about over the years, we live in the Bible Belt, and uh, in the Bible Belt, there's a lot of great things about living. I, I love living in the Bible Belt. I love living in the South, you know. I like where I live. Uh, great things, great things about being in Alabama. Some things you have to watch out for, though, as far as our faith is concerned. One of those things is that faith is just can become, I'm not saying it is this way necessarily, but it can become just kind of, it's another thing on our list. Like we are Southerners and we are Christians. Like we're, that's our identity. That's, that's just kind of who we are. And, and like a lot of things, when it's just kind of an assumption that you make, you don't really think about what that means, what it means, what it looks like. And I think Jesus was trying to teach us in this text we're going to look at today. He's trying to help us to see, man. When you become a follower of mine, it is a big deal. It is not something you take lightly. You don't, it's not a pew-sitting kind of thing. It's not something you do on Sundays. You do it on Sundays, but it's not something you only do on Sundays, you know? So our, Matthew 16, that's our text. That's where we're going to start, at least. I want you to turn there, and I'm going to put some verses up on the screen for you because I want you to see this consistent pattern that Jesus follows, and the first one is here in Matthew 16, and it is starts in verse 21. This is, this is what Greg read for us a few minutes ago, these, these three verses. And um, these verses, starting in verse 21, is the first time. You may have some sort of a heading there in your Bible that says that. Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. Look what it says. Let's read it again. I want to I really focus on this. It's just an interesting thing because uh, the... the the people around Jesus, they were pretty excited about what he was doing. You know, he's raising the dead, he's healing the sick, he is feeding hungry people, he's taking care of folks' needs, and that got people excited, and they started following him, and the crowds were swelling and getting bigger and all that, and, and uh, I think the disciples are buying into that. Man, this is cool. I mean, this is really, really neat, because this man, this Jesus, I've never seen anybody do anything like this. I wonder, what in the world, he's going to... Man, he's, if he can do this, imagine what he can do with Rome, with the empire of Rome. I mean, we've been under their thumb for 100 years now, and uh, imagine what he can do with, with, with the emperor. I mean, if he can raise the dead, the sky's the limit for what this man might be able to do for us. He can get us out of this deal. I think they're starting to buy into some of this stuff. It, this is really great because he's doing all this, all this miraculous stuff, and, um, and we're, we're pretty pumped about this. And life's going to get better and better and better, and we're not going to have any problems at all, and we're going to get out from under the thumb of Rome, and it's just going to be this really, really cool kind of existence as we follow this Messiah, this 
this person, Jesus. I don't know how fully they understood who he was. And so with that background, our crowds are getting bigger. The disciples are starting to buy the hype. You know, they're starting to buy the hype. Jesus says, from that time, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. You know, I mean, that's not exactly what they were expecting. I mean, he's just done all this stuff. I mean, he is healing. Uh, back in chapter 15, he healed a bunch of folks. He fed 4,000 hungry people. You go back in Matthew, and he walked on water, and he fed 5,000 people. He healed a bunch of sick around the Sea of, of Galilee. I mean, you, you keep going back in Matthew, and you'll just see the things that he taught and the amazing things that he did, and life's going to be awesome. Jesus is, this is all good. This is all fun. It's fun when Jesus is walking on water. That's awesome. It's fun when he's raising the dead. That's cool. It's fun when he's making the blind to see. That is incredible. Hey, guys. You know where this story's going, right? It's like, I want you guys to know this isn't what it's all about. This is part of it. But this is not where this story is going to go. And I want you to be ready for that. It's, we'll come back and look at Peter's response in a minute, okay? But I want you to notice, notice a couple of things beyond this. Turn over one page if you're following in the Bible. It's also on the screen behind me, Matthew 17, 22. So this is the second time, okay? So the transfiguration has happened. That was neat. They got to see Jesus along with Moses and Elijah. They got to see Moses and Elijah. I mean, Moses, that was pretty cool. They saw Jesus heal a boy with a demon, verses 14 through 20, 21. And as they, verse 22, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, it's almost like he's wanting to say, hey, um, all right, remember, I just told you this. I want you to forget about this. The Son of Man is about to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him. He will be raised on the third day. I want you to understand what's, what's happening here. Lots of good stuff. Don't get, don't get so overwhelmed by transfigurations and healings and people coming back to life and all this stuff. Don't, don't get so caught up in that that you forget where this path is going. That's why I asked you a minute ago, I will follow him. Lord, we'll follow you all the way. For real? Will we? It's a big deal what we're saying when we sing that. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Here's the next one. Matthew 20, starting in verse 17. Um, so, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, all right, look at this. Lots of stuff happens in uh, chapter 18. You know, you got Jesus doing some teaching about parables, using parables. You got this uh, teaching about divorce. You got the rich young ruler story. Jesus tells another story. And then Matthew 20, verse 17, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, up because Jerusalem's on a mountain, you know. He took the 12 disciples aside. It's almost like it's not just a, a pause on the road and he says something to them. He's like, guys, come over here for a second. I, I got to talk to you. It's more of a formal kind of setting here the third time. I want to talk to you about something. 
And on the way he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. So this third time, I mean, all this amazing stuff's happening, but Jesus pauses often through the journeys, and he says, guys, I think he's especially talking to the ones closest to him. He said, you know, I am going to Jerusalem. So three times. Okay. Now you got that in your mind. Now, we're going to backtrack and go back to Matthew 16, and I want you to see for a second how they respond. Matthew 16 Verse 22. So this is the one. Um, we read this earlier. Greg read this earlier. Matthew 16. So the first time Jesus says, um, I'm going to go, I'm going I'm to suffer a lot, be killed, be raised, and stuff. Verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. So pause there. We'll look at the Lord's response in a minute. But for now, what I'm wanting you to see is how did they respond when he told them this about going to Jerusalem? So this is the first time. Uh, Jesus tells them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be suffer, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be raised. And Peter, oh Peter, Peter, Peter's kind of like the spokesman for what everybody else is thinking. You know, you, you know people like that, you might be that person who in a group of people, everybody's thinking something, some people are thinking it and they know better than to say it, you might be the person who goes ahead and says it. That's okay. It's okay. Peter's that person. Peter's that person. I think he wasn't the only one thinking this, but he's the one who had the audacity to go ahead and say it out loud. He does this a lot. You know, you know the story of Peter. It's emphatic here what he says to Jesus. It's bold. It's, it's almost offensive. It's almost... It's almost like Peter is telling Jesus what he can and cannot do, which was it's kind of audacious. Peter does. Far be it from you, Lord. No, this will never happen to you. We know Peter had the courage. He, he would later on, he would draw his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane. He would try to take that guy's head off. Thankfully, the guy ducked. Just got an ear. Remember that story? Peter, he's willing to... He's willing to uh, Put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. This will never happen to you. We'll, do, we'll protect you. I don't know what Peter's thinking here. I don't know if he's thinking, we'll protect you. We're not going to let this happen. We got some swords. You know, we got some fighting experience, whatever. We're fishermen. We're tough. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was thinking, no, no, no. That, you're confused about what, you, what the Messiah role is. Let me help you understand it. See? <laughs> You don't understand this, but the Messiah, when he comes, and you're, you're the Messiah, uh, when he comes, he's not, he's not going to die. You know, it's not going to happen. He's not going to die. He's going to, I don't know if you, you know this, but let me help you understand. What you're going to do is you're going to conquer, not die. You're not, you're not going to be, be conquered by your enemies. You're going to conquer your enemies. You got it flip-flopped. You're, you, got it, you got it out of order. Far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. We're not going to let it happen. We'll fight, whatever. You've got the power to stop this. It's not going to happen. And, and the language, can you imagine this? Look at the way Matthew puts it. Peter took him aside and began to do what? You see this in your Bible? Or see it on the screen behind me? What did he do? He began to rebuke him. 
he began to rebuke. Can you, have you ever thought about rebuking God before? Lord, you, you've got this wrong. You're wrong on this. You think you're right, but you're wrong. That's, this is strong language we got from Peter. But he's just speaking what everybody else is thinking. This isn't the way it goes. If you are who we think you are, you're not going to be crucified. That's for the worst of the worst. That's for people who do awful things. That's for people who are shamed and, and who rebel against Rome. It's for traitors or whatever. And you're going to conquer Rome, not be conquered by Rome. And so it's a pretty, pretty strong thing that Peter says. So he gets on to Jesus. We'll come back in a minute and we'll see his response. Okay, next chapter, Matthew 17, 23. Matthew 17, 23. This is the second time Jesus told them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and be raised on the third day. And then this, and they were greatly distressed. They don't like it. I don't, they don't say anything at this point, apparently. At least it doesn't tell us what they said. But they're sad. So the first time it happened, Peter jumped in and said, no, 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 it's not going to happen that way. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not gonna let it happen. Second time, Jesus tells them again, and and, um, and they're just sad, distressed. I don't confused. I think there are a lot of emotions here. What in the world? Distressed. I mean, he really means this. Maybe the first time he, he was confused, or we, maybe 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 Peter's getting through to him. You know, maybe he's maybe starting to understand that's not really his role. And Jesus tells them a second time, and they're like, they're upset about it. And then, then notice, notice this one, the third time. This is Matthew 20, and, and I just think it's interesting. I never noticed this before until this week, but, but right after the third time. So he tells them, I read this, 17, 18, 19 of Matthew 17. He tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be condemned, I'm going to be delivered, I'm going to be flogged, crucified, but I'll be raised on the third day. Very next verse, here it is. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, kneeling before him, she asked him for something. It goes on. If you know that story, you know what comes next. What she asked Jesus is, I got these two sons. You know them pretty well. Their names are James and John. They're really close to you. They're part of your inner circle, along with Peter. You know them, right? James and John, these are my boys. Here's what I want for them. I want them to be, when you come into your kingdom, you're talking about all this dying stuff, resurrection, talking about all that. Well, so maybe... Maybe that's the way you want it to be. But regardless, when you come into your kingdom, I want my sons at the top. I want them on your right hand, your right hand and your left hand. That's where I want them. Can, can you make that happen? It's just interesting to me the three responses here. You've got Peter, no, it's not going to happen. Second one, you've got, mm, this is bad. This is, this is not good. Third one is, it's almost like a note of resignation. Okay, well, if that's what you want. Anyway, when you get to your kingdom, however you want to get there, when you get there, we want to be in charge. We want to be at the top. You see this progression there? I don't know if it's a progression or if it's just different, but you see these three kinds of responses. No, sad, let's take advantage of it. Let's use your power to get what we want. You have to go through crucifixion, resurrection, all that. Uh, I don't understand how that fits in, but okay. But... Let's get to the other side of it and let's be in charge. So you've got those, those three responses through this. Through this. Okay, we're going to back up one more time. Back to Matthew 16. So what I wanted you to see, Jesus says it, they respond. He does that three times. All right, go back to the original. And let's see Jesus' response to their response. All right, here it is. In Matthew 16, starting in verse 23. All right, do you see this? So Jesus said it. Peter 
jumped in and got on to the Lord. No, 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 it's not going to happen that way. We'll keep it from happening. It's not going to, you're, you're confused. 23, but he turned. And I get the impression from reading this, <laughs> it's kind of like when you say something, you, you, you know, you're kind of, those of you who are teenagers, you know you push your parents' buttons sometimes, right? It's, it's, it's just part of the genetics. And so you, uh, you say something that you think is right on the edge. Like you wanna, your goal as a teenager with your parents is to say something that's just right below the edge, but not cross it. It's like your, it's your goal in life to get right there and you got to figure out where that line is. Sometimes you you don't guess right, All right? And I and I think this is seriously this is one of those times. Peter's like going right, right there. Where where? And but but when you're when you're a teenager and you do it and you, you you cross the line and your dad or your mom pivots on you, and then you know oh I I went too far, and you get that look. You know, you get that, that look or, or whatever it is. They, like, turn on you. They, like, turn on you. And, and you, you realize, oh, i got to back up. i got to kind of walk back a little bit. I, I kind of get that impression here with, with Jesus. Peter says this, Lord, he's rebuking Jesus. Far be it from you. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned. I love to see the look on Peter's face. I, I imagine it was something like, oh, uh-oh, I crossed the line. You know, he turned, pivots on him, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. If Peter didn't pick up on it from the body language, he picked up on it when he said this. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Isn't that interesting? Get behind me, Satan. Real? And, and, and Jesus needs Peter and the others who were thinking what Peter was saying. He needs them to understand. If you try to get between me and the cross, you are an obstacle because that's why I came. So do not get between me and where I'm going. Get behind me. It's not, he's not just saying, he's not saying, I don't, I don't know how you read this. He's not just saying, get out of my way, Peter, so I can get there. No, he's saying, get behind me and follow me. I know that because of what he says after this. I'm going to the cross whether you're in my way or not. It's not like Peter could keep him from getting there. He's not saying, get out of my way. He's saying, get into the right place. Don't get ahead of me, Peter. Don't, don't, get, don't get ahead of me. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do. You're not going to, nobody's going to keep me from going where I'm going. But what you need to decide, Peter, and James, and John, and the rest of you guys, and Chuck, and you, and the rest of us here in this crowd, as we were singing a few minutes ago, are we going to get behind him? Are we going to try to get in his way as if we can do anything to stop him? Are, are we going to try to manipulate Jesus to make him the Jesus we want him to be? Are we going to try to make, make, um, make things happen according to our own power and kind of make sure that we can do all this stuff through our own power and do it the right way? Are we just going to follow Jesus? So that's what he says. Get behind me, Satan. You're in my way. You are thinking about 
stuff here and not godly things, you're confused. You need to get out of my way. Not just get out of my way. You need to get behind me. See what, see what happens next. Because the very next verse, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples. See, that's the very next verse, isn't it? Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would, if anyone would come after me, so get out of my way, Peter, and get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Peter. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Do you see what he's saying here? Not only am I going to the cross, but if you are one of my disciples, you're going to go there with me. And you know, John, John tells us this at the end of his gospel account. We know from pretty, pretty good, from what I understand, pretty good, reliable, um, extra-biblical sources that Peter did go to the cross, you know, crucified upside down if that tradition's right because he considered himself unworthy to be crucified exactly like Christ. Um, so, get your cross, Peter, James, John. Get your crosses ready. Don't get in front of me. Don't try to keep me from doing what I came to do. Don't try to manipulate me and make me be your Messiah, the kind of Messiah you want me to be. Don't, don't try to make me the kind of Lord you want, the Lord that's everything's just, um, you know, cushy all the time. Don't make me that kind of Lord. That's not who I am. So, um, if you come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Who, what would a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The Son of Man is coming, going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he's done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You see, that's Jesus' response here is, is to Peter and to the others and to you and to me. And it is, don't try to make Jesus into the person you want him to be. See, we, we, uh, we're tempted to do that because we're human beings. And, and, and we, there are parts of the Bible we like, depending on our personality and our upbringing and all sorts of things. There are parts of Scripture that we return to again and again and parts we try to ignore. Some of us like the hellfire and brimstone part. Man, I love it when he talks about judgment, you know. We need more of that. Some of us like the love and the grace and the mercy. Oh, I love it when he talks about that. See, what we got to do is we got to take it all. We got we got to see Jesus for who He is. We got to get behind Him and follow Him. As we sang, we got to get behind Him and follow Him. See, He's saying these words to you and me, just as He was to them. And I think one of this is a hard hard thing for us to do. Hard for me to to think about for you to think about is okay. What does this look like now? What does it look like in a 21st century Bible Belt context where we don't have to worry about going to a crucifixion somewhere? And I can go out there and yell on the street corner, Jesus, you know, I follow Jesus, whatever. And people may look at me weird, but probably I'm not going to be crucified. What does this look like? Uh, I don't know, particularly, specifically. But it looks like a total commitment kind of thing. Looks like a total commitment kind of thing. I... um. <clears throat> I know you, you guys, if, if you pay attention to stuff like this, and I put something on Facebook yesterday about Kanye West, you know, which, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Kanye fan, but um, I don't know what God's doing, you know. I don't, I don't know what God's doing, and I don't know, I don't know what exactly that looks like, but there, there's this, uh, when he was on Jimmy Kimmel this week, you know, he, um, 
if you, if you watch that little clip, there's this, there's a cool thing that he says, and I, I, if you saw this on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about, but there's this thing where, um, where Kimmel was asking him, so are you a Christian musician now? And uh, Kanye kind of pauses for a minute, and then he says, well, I'm a Christian everything. That's, pretty good. That's a pretty good answer. I like that. I don't know what all that means for, for Kanye. I'm not, I'm not endorsing everything he stands for. I don't know what he stands for. But, but, I, but I like that. I like that. And who knows what God is doing in him and in, in lots of other people that we don't know. But regardless, that statement right there, it sort of reflects, I think, what Jesus is trying to, trying to teach these guys. What he's trying to teach you and me is don't, don't, don't be a Christian when you come to church. You know, I mean, we're all here with our church clothes on and smiles on and all that. Be a Christian at 9.30 tomorrow morning when your co-worker smarts off to you. Be a Christian then. Um, be a Christian when everybody's avoiding somebody at school because that kid is not cool, you know? Go up and sit by that kid at lunch table. Be a Christian, you know? Be a Christian when everybody else isn't being one. I, what does it look like for us? What does it look like to take up our crosses and follow Jesus? Be willing to be ostracized. I mean, be willing to be made fun of. Uh, be willing for people to look at you weird. Be, be, be willing to be a Christian in those, in those social situations at work, school, or in the neighborhood, or, or whatever, at church maybe, wherever it is. But, but be a Christian everything. Be a Christian everything. All the time. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Don't make Jesus into who you want him to be. Be who he's called you to be. And that is to let your relationship to him define everything about you and forget about the consequences of that. There will be consequences when you take it seriously. There will be. It's inevitable. Um, last beatitude of Matthew 5, 1, uh, 3 through 12, you know, is that blessed are you. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you, and they say all sorts of stuff about you. It's how they treated the prophets. Great is your reward in heaven. That's what he says. So he's calling you and me as his people to be Christian everything, no matter what. If you're not a Christian this morning, we've talked a lot about what it means to follow Jesus. And, and maybe there's someone here who's not yet begun that journey in baptism. You've not yet in this public kind of way been immersed for the washing away of your sins, for the receiving of the Holy Spirit, for this public kind of commitment of identifying with Jesus as one of his followers, we would love to baptize you today. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to come home to him today. You've been away from him, you've gotten caught up in the world. Maybe you're like Peter a little bit, we all are sometimes. Maybe you're like him, you've been like him a little bit more lately than you ought to have been, and you've been thinking about the things around you, the things of the world, and not the heavenly, really, really important things. And this kind of got you messed up. Why don't you come back to him today? Let's stand and let's sing this song.